Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Hairdressers are open for the first time in five months and everyone, including the Taoiseach, is delighted. And it is with no small measure of personal relief that I can also confirm that on the 10th of May, hairdressing and other personal services will reopen by appointment all across the country. Monday, May 10th, it was the day that men, women and children could finally get their hair chopped. And there was a palpable buzz in the air in barbers and salons nationwide. I work as the receptionist and everybody that I've been ringing is just so excited. They're like, oh my God, it's great to hear your voice. And they're making us really excited as well. So there's just a real buzz going around today now, definitely. I'm so excited to be back. It's like Christmas morning this morning. I went to bed at like half ten last night so I get up there, you know. I'm Denise Callanan and you're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. Today, I'll be talking to Irish independent writer Katie Byrne about why our hair is so important to us. Hair is tied up with our identity, you know, when you look sharp, you feel sharp. I think some people are quite flippant about the reopening of the beauty industry, but the reality is it's really important for people, young and old. And one salon owner tells us why consumers can expect an even better haircut experience post-lockdown. The majority of hairdressers are going to be coming back more skilled with more knowledge because they've done so much training in the time that they've been off. Hello, Zincairn Beauty. Emma speaking. Just minutes before hairdressers opened across the country, I spoke to Lisa Eccles, owner of the Zinc Hair Salon in Kilmainham and vice president of the Irish Hairdressers Federation. Everybody's almost giddy this morning out there, but delighted to be back. Really looking forward to meeting all our clients today. I think the team are just delighted to see each other as well. They're really excited. And yeah, it's just great to be back and to be back open. And are you confident with the reopening? It is third time lucky, you said. Yeah, I mean, I I think like certainly this time is very different to when we came back last year. Last year, we were coming back into what was a totally new environment. We were like, God, we'd never wore masks before. Would we be able to do it? You know, would social distancing work? Would the clients be happy? And all of that worked really well last year. So I think coming back, everybody's confident that, well, look, we've done it before. We're well able to do it again. 
again. And and I think last year the stats really showed how safe personal services were, which is like hair, beauty, barbers, spas, um, chiropractors, acupuncturists. Through all of those industries and personal services, there was only seven associated outbreaks. So, you know, that's kind of a phenomenal track record, really. So I do feel like coming back in, the team are quite confident. You know, huge um, proportion of like our clients now are going to be vaccinated as well, which adds another level of safety. So I think, you know, certainly I feel more confident coming back this time. And as the months roll on and more and more people are vaccinated, you know, hopefully that's going to keep us even safer then. Lisa, how do you think the hairdressing industry will have changed now, both for hairdressers and their clients? For clients, I suppose they've realised maybe how important we are. You know, something that I think all these things that we've taken for granted for years, whether it's even going for a meal or getting your hair done. Now, you know, you really appreciate them. And I think like that bond that we have with our clients is so special. Certainly our elderly clients have really missed us. That social aspect of coming in and getting their hair done and having the chats. Katie, you were one of the lucky ones. You managed to get an early morning appointment on opening day of the hairdressers. What was it like? Well, I was there at 9am outside with my thermos flask <laughs> and my, my pull out chair. No, I wasn't. But I was um, I was in first doors and lots of other people had the exact same idea as me. Um, it was super buzzy. Everyone was in really good form. I think everyone had dressed up for the day. The tunes seemed particularly loud. Um and it was just amazing to get my hair washed again, more so than getting than getting a cut. It really needed a cut. But just that, that moment of being over the basin and having someone massaging your head and just being, it sounds odd, but just being touched again. It's not that I, I'm lacking touch in my life, but I think we need that social touch. And we've been deprived of it for so long. So, I, I yeah, I felt I really needed that, actually. How long had it been, Katie? And had you fallen foul to the DIY jobs at home? Oh yeah, big time. So I, I I use box dyes all the time, even pre-pandemic. I think it would have been almost eight months actually since I'd had a cut. So it was in it was in bad old shape. It was just lifeless, dead, flat. It really needed a cut. And when it comes to greys, Katie, do you think after lockdown now they're more socially acceptable? I am definitely I'm less freaked out by it. There was definitely a time in my life where if I saw greys, you know, money, time, it didn't matter. I was going to get it. I was going to get it solved or or dealt with. Um, but now it just gets to the point where you can't really manage it and you can't you can't keep them covered all the time. So um, I don't mind so much. But something comes to mind actually when you say that I. I don't know if you read Nick Cave's newsletter. So he has a newsletter that he he does by email and his fans send him questions. And the answers are normally really quite profound and really very thoughtful, quite long. But one of his fans asked him if he would consider, you know, letting his letting his his grey show. And he sent her back a one word answer, which was uh, no. <laughs> so I kind of see where Nick is coming from on that. And now that hairdressers are open, I don't think there's going to be many grey spotted on the streets anymore now. No, I think everyone's just... In fact, that's what the hairdresser said to me yesterday. He said, that's the first thing everyone just wants. They're, they want their roots done. Katie, when it comes to the black market in hairdressing, in hairdressing, do you think it's something that will continue after the pandemic? Is this something you know a bit about after your hair appointment yesterday? Yeah, well, actually, I interviewed quite a few hairstylists um, all over the country for a piece I did a couple of months ago. And a few of them estimated that about 30% of their clients won't come back. So they reckon it's just all too convenient for them now. You know, they get the hairdresser will come out. It'll do a few. She or he will do a few family members at once. Um, And also it's more affordable for them. So I do think it will continue. But I also think it was emerging pre-pandemic. 
I know certainly in London that there's a lot of stylists who've never been in a salon. You know, they have their client base, they advertise on Instagram and, and that's the way they work. So, yeah, I do think it will continue. All aspects of personal grooming were actually shut off for us, Katie. Couldn't get the eyebrows done, couldn't get the bikini line or the, the legs waxed. So what is it about the hairdresser that we're so obsessed with and why is hair so important to us? People who study these kind of things like psychologists and whatnot say it all comes down to identity. Like we derive our identity from our hairstyle. Um, it can make us it can make us feel a certain way or kind of reinforce aspects of our identity. So, you know, men will always say, you know, a hairstyle can make them feel sharp. Um, women might say it can make them feel kind of chic or, you know, when your hair is kind of slick and bouncy, it just puts a pep in your step really, doesn't it? I also think for women in particular, it is it's a major social outlet for alone time and probably the only one for a lot of women with kids in particular. Men would have the pub for that where they can kind of, you know, disappear into the pub for a quick pint and the crossword puzzle on their own. But I, I do think salons and, and, and the beauty industry in general is, is, is that for women. Yeah, we spoke to a barber during the week, Ali, in Kilmainham, and he had something to say about that. So I'm owner of Cutting Edge Barber. Today, back to business is finally... Uh, we are so happy to open the, the, the business. It was hard even for women, I know, but maybe more for men because they get a haircut more often. They come every four weeks to have a haircut. Women maybe every four months. It sounds like Ali's trying to make the point that it's more important for men that barbers are open, but we're talking about hairdressers here today. But actually, Katie, you have something to mention on this. It's not a, a, you know, a male-female issue, really because you have something to say about hair loss over the last, you know, an issue that's really come to the forefront in the last 14 months. Yeah, well, Google searches for hair loss loss even were up 8% last year. And there's loads of factors that play into that. A COVID diagnosis can lead to hair loss and the stress-related hair loss, which is a big one for, for men and women. And then there's also just being at home and having all that time in front of the mirror. Like, at least when you're at work, you only... You go to the loo, you, you pass the mirror, it's like a perfunctory kind of glance. But I don't know, but for, for me anyway, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm in the, the loo at home, I'm constantly just checking my hairline and seeing things that, I pro- that were probably always there that I'm only now seeing for the first time. And all the, all the Zoom calls that you're just looking at your own face on for hours every day. Totally, yeah. So seeing these things for the first time. So I think that's where, where those searches are coming from. People were also using the 14-month pandemic lockdown as an opportunity to Google the words hair transplant. Well, I tell you what I did. I went and, uh, you know, I had a hair transplant. Okay. So what happened was my hair was socially distancing from my forehead. (laughs) And I'd had enough of it. So I I got them to, what they do is they take hairs from the back of your head and they, they put them on the front. It's basically, I had enough hair, it was just in the wrong place. (laughs) That was Jimmy Carr, Katie, speaking very candidly about his reasons for a hair transplant. It's something you've heard a lot about over the last 14 months, Irish men in particular uh, travelling to get hair transplants. Yeah, I think, you know, travelling during the pandemic is a whole separate conversation. But pandemic aside, well, I'm, I'm definitely aware of friends of friends who have taken the opportunity to get a hair transplant because they finally have the time um, to, re- to recover in, in, in privacy and they finally have the money that, that they saved up during the first few months of the pandemic. I also read a London clinic. Um, they said that they were up by 40% in appointments last year. I saw another group of doctors in, in Istanbul in Turkey who came together to encourage people back because they would get a lot of people 
um, from from Ireland, the UK, travelling out there for hair transplants. But they made the point that medical tourism contributes a billion to the Turkish economy every year. So that would obviously be your teeth and your your surgery and your hair transplants. Um, I don't know if you saw the story of the barber in Extremadura in Spain. He took a group of of his clients out to Turkey um, in December of last year. I think 17 of them travelled all together. And when they came back, there was a COVID outbreak in the town. So they were in big, big, big trouble. The mayor got involved and everything. Um, so that can't have been easy. And I think the barber said in in one of the pieces, he said, look, I just hope the stress of this doesn't make our new hair fall out. So I, I, I would hope that too. Uh, Katie, you speak a little bit there about, um, you know, I suppose men might have been using the pandemic as well and that lockdown period at home and that break from real life to recover from a hair transplant. How serious is it as a procedure? And do you have any idea of what kind of money we're talking about? It really depends on if you're traveling abroad for it. Now, I'm not I, I don't know the exact figures, but ballpark, you'd be looking at about 2000 in Turkey, but you'll find that they'll generally include your hotel and your transfers and all that kind of jazz. Um, whereas here, I think you're looking ballpark 15 to 20,000. So huge, huge difference um, in terms of downtime. I've seen both. So um, I've seen men super swollen, black eyes, um, the works afterwards because they got a lot of, I don't know what the correct word is, do you say graphs or, you know, the the exact number. Um, And likewise, I've seen people who didn't swell at all because they didn't didn't get as much work done. So it's actually, I mean, it's quite a serious procedure to decide on really. I mean, it's not an easy... I think so. I think anything is, anything that's invasive is, is a big decision. And also, as Jimmy Carr just said, you know, you're not you're not getting new hair. You're not going to run your hands through your hair and feel that suddenly really thick because they're just, they're just repositioning it. They're taking hair from the back of your head and moving it. Um, and I, I think a lot of people don't bear that in mind. They, th- they seem to think that they're getting a lot of new hair. And back in Dublin, there's already innovation within the industry, despite the doors of hairdressers and salons and barbers only opening this week. Lisa has more. For the team, there's been a whole new outlook on how we work. So some of my team have changed that they want to do longer days. So do maybe three long days rather than a full five day week. And this gives them then the opportunity to have Saturdays off. So, you know, their families are able to have time off together. And and then for clients too, not everybody needs to come in on a Saturday now because with working from home, people have a little bit more flexibility. Sometimes they'll actually bring the laptop in and they'll be working away while they're getting their hair done. And, you know, so that allows them to be able to come in maybe on a Tuesday where that would have never been an option before. And will your opening hours be longer, Lisa? Do you think that's going to be a thing across the industry? Are hairdressers thinking let's open earlier and close later? in the evening to space out appointments or how is that working? Yeah, certainly I think to to deal with the initial demand, that's how a lot of salons are going to do extended opening hours for the first perhaps week or two to just try and kind of like get through a bit of the backlog. I actually this time around and actually the last time when we came back, I put it to my team to tell me what hours you want to work. And I've basically tried to work and create a roster around that. And as long as that works for the business and the business is profitable, I mean, I'm happy to continue with that. 
Do you think there'll be any innovations in the industry now as a result of the last almost 18 months of change? Will anything be different? Can you see anything happening already? So a huge amount of education has actually been done in lockdown. And it's one thing I'm, I'm very proud of, I think, of our industry is that the majority of hairdressers are going to be coming back more skilled with more knowledge because they've done so much training in the time that they've been off. Certainly that's been a, a huge innovation because, you know, say, for example, you have, you know, trainees in Donegal and they have to always travel to Dublin to do a course. Now, if they can do something online, they're probably more likely to attend more courses, which means that they're going to be more skilled, upskilling more regularly, which is a brilliant opportunity for them. And then a lot of um, salons are also doing like some Zoom consultations, which is great. You know, it kind of cuts down on the amount of people having to come into the salon. So you can have your consultation with your client beforehand. And that way, then you kind of know how to book them in and what their service is going to be. Lisa, how are trainee hairdressers set now? They Have they missed out on practical experience? You're welcoming them back into the industry. How is that situation at the moment? Yeah, it's been very difficult for a lot of trainees. You know, a lot of them feel like their their training has been, I suppose, stalled in a way. But I know like for me, for the first two weeks, we won't be resuming any of our training classes. But then after that, we're going to be straight back into the training. Do you know, I, I think I'd be confident that we, we will pick up the pace. There's just a concern that maybe some salons won't be hiring um, trainees because they're more maybe looking for stylists to get them in so that they're able to look after clients and get earning. But I would definitely encourage salons to have a look at getting trainees in. They're a vital part of every salon. And, you know, it's the future of our industry as well. We certainly don't want a skills shortage in a couple of years because of COVID. So hairdressing will survive, Lisa, you're confident, but do you think there's anything more that could be done for the industry via government grants or any ideas you might have like that? We really need like the government to, you know, make sure that that rates waiver stays in place for the rest of the year. That would be a big help to a lot of businesses. And then certainly um, the EWSS scheme would be a great help. That's going to run until the end of June currently. But we would be encouraging the government to really look at like extending that out for the rest of the year so that, you know, a lot of salons can avail of that because I do think there will be an initial busy period and then I will you know probably like last year we'll see it taper off and get a little bit quieter so you know we really you know there's there's a lot of debt there that, that businesses are coming back to an awful lot of landlords haven't given rent breaks so there is you know the issue there of, of old debt there that'll have to be serviced maybe business loans as well that need to be paid off so do you know there's a lot of these businesses will need those support in place to get through the rest of this year and to survive into next year. Katie, that's the expert speaking, um, you know, and it really sounds like hairdressers and barbers across the country have everything under control, but they do have challenges ahead, don't they? And that's the reality of the situation. Absolutely. I remember I spoke to a hairstylist back in July and she was saying the trouble that they were having was that everyone was now in the same schedule. You know, women will go and get their hair done, their hair dyed every, you know, six to eight weeks or whatever that is. But because everyone came back in that first um, week of July, they then were coming back exactly six or eight weeks later. So they had these kind of gulfs in between that they didn't know what to what, what, what to do with. Um, I think the other challenge is, as I was saying earlier, about that 30 percent of people who might stay with the black market hairdressing. How, how do hairdressers get those people back? Should they be doing more professional grade treatments or those those big scalp cleanses or I don't know, the keratin type things that you can't do at home? Um, 
But I think ultimately the, the, the other big challenge is not everyone had the energy for that big pivot. Um, yes, a lot of hairstylists are coming back super scaled up because they did their, their Zoom courses with like a creative director in LA or whatnot. But, you know, some people had a, a really bad time over the last year. You know, they had a, a sick family member. They might have they might have lost a family member. Their partner might have lost their job. Homeschooling was a struggle. So, you know, they were floored and they they're, they're not coming back. With skills, and in fact, they're probably a little bit rusty. So I think we need to have compassion for those experiences and patience, I guess. Yeah, I think that's an important point to make. I mean, these professionals are coming back to an industry, but actually, you're right, Katie. Not everyone had, you know, a break for the year or an opportunity to to train up. And you know, some people have had quite a tough and difficult 14 months, and that's something that we should remember. Well, Katie, thank you for joining us today. Um, you look great. Your hair looks great. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. You are listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. Produced by Mary Carroll and sound design by Dara Kelly. For more on this and other stories, visit independent.ie.